and uh, and so uh, I want you to kind of settle back. Uh, I want to share some things today, Father. I ask that you would, uh, Lord God, just be in the midst of our time and the word time together, Lord. I ask that you would. Uh, be free to speak into each heart. Lord, we've come, Lord God, to to receive from you. So, Lord God, we ask that this word would be a word, Lord God, that you would cause it to fall deeply into the hearts. Father, speak to each one. Lord God, not what we're saying, but what your spirit desires to say to us individually and corporately. Father, we give you thanksgiving in Jesus' name. But, uh, you know, um, relationships. How many of you find that relationships can be real challenging? All kinds of relationships. Amen. It can be a real challenge, right? Family, children, just relationships. But uh, every relationship, and I, uh, Denise and I, we when we when we talk to couples. Uh, one of the things, in fact, we just was discussing with the couple, and 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 we we were talking about uh, every relationship having these DTR moments. You know what DTR is? DTR moments in counseling, uh, trying to develop, trying to trying to define the level of commitment. Uh, so we assist in these. DTR moments. DTR meaning we need to define the relationship. I've known some young men that uh, when they got into a, a conversation with their young lady, it brought it brought a chill in the air because now we want to define the relationship. And every relationship must be defined. Amen? Amen. DTR can Defining the relationship can bring fear to young men. And I remember uh, having a conversation with Dave Simpson, who's engaged to star. And I had a conversation with Dave, and it became a define the relationship. And uh, through the years, I I remember I remember when I was a young man, and and was really uh, at a place where. I, I, I had now discovered I had come from a whole, a whole, uh, I come from a, a place where I was never going to marry, never ever was going to bring kids into the world. But now I'm feeling this kind of way about my wife. And uh, I shared the story. I went to a friend of mine, and this man, uh, his name was Uncle Henry Morrow. Marie, you remember Uncle Henry? Yes. Uncle Henry was. I was five when he was 75. When I became 30, he was 100 years old, living across the street from us on 911 on Mount Street, living right across the street. And Uncle Henry was the, was the best, he was one of the greatest Bible teachers of his day in the whole city of Greensboro, North Carolina. Unlearned man. And uh, I, went to, I would talk, when I would come to Greensboro, I would spend the whole days just with Uncle Henry. And I asked him, I said, Uncle Henry, how do you know? How do you know when it's time? How do you know? And, and this, this man who's uh, 
uh, grandparents were slaves. Uh, he said, Roger, are you willing to die for I said, what do you mean? He said, if you, don't, if you won't give your life for it, you leave it alone. And it, it, made my, it, made, it helped me make the decision. It was a defining the relationship. So today, I want to talk to you about let's define this relationship. Uh, this relationship. Uh, you know, today, couples... Uh, Couples uh, may determine that their relationship have no strings attached, a no strings attached clause, you know, no strings. We can see everybody, you know. What about those relationships, uh, what do they call uh, friends with benefits? Think about that, friends with benefits. You know, you could have a, friends with benefit relationship with Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, I'm a friend of Christ as long as the blessings are flowing. Friends with blessings. Amen, somebody. Uh, I thought about, can you have a, a Facebook friend relationship with Christ? Think about Facebook friends. What's Facebook friends? You know, you follow people. Shallow. Uh, you see them, they see you. It's all based, oftentimes, you know, Facebook friends, you, you, don't, you don't ever deal with somebody where they just, they just saw you go through a hardship. It's normally very superficial, keeping it on the surface. Amen, somebody? Yeah. But, but this thing with, so uh, as I said, you could have a, a, a DTR, uh, what we call a friend today on Facebook is no more than an acquaintance, really, uh, in a lot of cases. But, but I want to talk about defining the relationship with you and Jesus. Just for a moment. Defining the relationship with me and Jesus. As I said, you can have a, a, a FWB relationship with Christ. Uh, uh, I'm his friend when it becomes about the blessings. Friends with blessings. I receive his blessings with no pushback. No commitment on my part. You know, only God can judge me, Pastor. Well, you know, that's interesting because you hear a lot of people talk about that. But the Bible says, the Bible really talks about that we are to judge ourselves. You don't want God to judge you. Why don't I want God to judge me? Because God has said, judge yourself uh, so that we not be judged. That means that if God is judging me, then I've been disobedient to receiving the doing what he said do. Because he doesn't want and so, so, so And listen, part of praying is when we're constantly judging ourselves. We're constantly, it's called introspection. We're looking into us. And we're asking God to, Lord, help us. But by me saying, Lord, only you can judge me, God, that can become very, very difficult. I met people who said, well, you know, I refuse to judge myself in this area. So when God judged me, wow, why did you wait? Why did you have to go through that? Amen, somebody. But you hear that oftentimes. Only God can judge me. No. Uh, in fact, look at the scripture, 1 Timothy 4. Let's go there real quick. 1 Timothy 4, it says, take heed to yourself. 
That's part of of, of self self uh, 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 what is it uh, self awareness. It's I'm taking heed to me. I, I don't I don't, and this is one of the things I think you know this age is about therapy. You're finding more people in therapy than ever before. I think one of the reasons why a lot of people we might find ourselves in therapy, and it's good, but sometimes we may be unaware of our of ourselves. We're missing, we're maybe lacking some deep, deep-seated areas of, uh, for lack of introspection. And, and, and listen, it's always been where the Word of God would always give us like a reflection. It would show us from God's perspective where we are. And I had to see myself in the light of God's light. But when we're not, we're only looking at it from the, I'm looking at me from my light, you're going to be deceived. Because you're not getting the, the full measure. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's why if I'm looking at myself through my own light, I can, I can justify everything I do to be right. Amen. I can, everything I do to be all right because, hey, listen, I, I make my own rules. But when you look at it from God's light, God says, you know, that was wrong. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you, you need to, and that's where forgiveness comes in. That's where mercy comes in. And I believe that where mercy and forgiveness is, you're going to find a sense of mental stability. There's some stability in mercy. There's some stability. Are y'all hearing me? Praise the Lord. I believe, I believe that, 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 uh, that some of the best Mental health uh, medicine can be right in the Word of God. Amen. 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 But look at First uh, Timothy four sixteen. It says, "Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you." In the in the Passion translation, listen to this. It says, "Give careful attention to your spiritual life." And every cherished truth you teach, for living what you preach will then release even more abundant life inside you and to all those who listen to you. So, so part of this thing, I'm giving careful attention to my spiritual life. Oh, just think about that now. How much time uh, do we give to other parts of our life, to my career, to all these things that are important? How much time do we give to our spiritual life? Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and I believe that's where we're finding a lot of the uh, crisis that many people are living in because no time or not enough time is being given to our spiritual lives. Well, we may be given too much time. And I, I've often said this to young men. I said, you know, you go to college and you develop your intellect, and that's basically for your, for your mind. That's my mental strength. You know, you go into the gym and, and you're, you're deep into working out, and that develops your physical strength, your physical life. What are you doing for your spirit? What do you mean? What are you doing for that other part of you? Praise the Lord, somebody. And that's the part that I believe we're in a crisis today. We're in a crisis. We're in a, a real spiritual crisis. And that's what we're seeing. 
And like I said, it starts at the very top of the, of the, of the food chain when it comes to even our president. It, it starts there. But, but look at 2 Corinthians 13. It says, put yourself, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, in the, in the Good News Bible. It says, put yourself to the test and judge yourself. See, that's what I said. God is saying, I don't need God to judge me. Lord, I'm judging myself according to the litmus test of your word. I'm judging me. I'm looking at me through the light of your scripture. Are you hearing me? Amen. It says, so for 2 Corinthians 13, 5, put yourself to the test and judge yourself to find out whether you are living in faith. Surely you know that Christ Jesus is in you unless you have completely failed. So, 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 so this is part of this whole process. So as we look at the word today, I want to discuss, I want to ask the question, am I a fan or am I a follower? I want to ask, am I a fan or am I a follower of Christ? What do you mean, Pastor? Well, you know, uh, NBA Finals just started. Tuesday jumps off. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Jeff, me and Jeff. Jeff is my resident journalist, sports journalist here, and uh, so we have we have in depth conversation about personalities, teams, and uh, I'm a Steph Curry fan. Amen. Amen. And and uh, and so being a Steph Curry fan, uh, you know, we we know about his past life, his life, his family, his, you know, his lifestyle. You know, there are certain fans that would know all the statistics, know what his favorite meal is, know everything about him. And that person is a fan. I believe that sometimes if we're not careful, we can become fans of this thing called Christ and Christianity. One brother wrote this, he wrote this. Uh, and he talked about, you know, how Jesus uh, attracted large crowds. And he said, this, he said, Jesus was never impressed by the size of the crowd. It's the commitment level that he cares about. A concern I have of our churches today is that when we gather together, I think there's a possibility that instead of being a community of followers, we're nothing more than a stadium full of fans. Where we may wear a cross, but we don't bear the cross. You can come to church, know all the songs, open your Bible, take notes, walk out to your car with Jesus, with a Jesus fish on the bumper, say grace before lunch, but that doesn't necessarily make you a follower of God, of Christ. And so the question was, do you go to church or saints of God? Is this a fan club? What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, this could be a, a Jesus fan club. Question. Or do you go to church? Or have you become the church? That's the difference. And today, let's face it, multitudes of people still go to church. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, Amen. Amen. The most racist time in this country. <laughs> yeah. 
blacks with blacks, whites with whites, Latino with Latino, whatever. Uh, uh, and that it's been said that this is one of the most segregated times of our time. Uh, but, but just because we go to church doesn't necessarily make us a follower of Christ. There are many people that go to church because my grandmama went to church and her mama went to church and my mama go to church. And so we, as a family, part of our family ritual is that we go to church. Amen, somebody? But just because I go to church, does that make me a follower? No, it doesn't. Amen. And this is one of the things, you know, when I look at, when I look at this whole, this whole white supremacist, this whole thing, that thing that took place in Charlottesville, I thought about Sunday morning service. I bet you most of them guys was in church. Most of them went to church on Sunday morning or come from church or believe in church or go to church. Are y'all hearing me? Sunday school teachers, workers in the church. So does that make you a follower? Now turn your Bibles to First Tim, First Peter, because First Peter says something. It says, uh, so, so, uh, so, so Jesus has fans that go to church, but Jesus wants followers who become the church. Amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. First, First Peter, two. And 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you, are the, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he's made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. It says, we are his chosen generation his royal priesthood, his holy people, that God has called us out of darkness. But he says that we are to show, we are to show the world. So part of being a follower is not just coming out of darkness, but it's also pulling people out and letting people know. This, this word here says in 1 Peter 2, it says that you would live, it says, uh, uh, God, that you be God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Come on, y'all. Y'all here today. And see, one of my challenges, I used to have challenges with church folk. I just, I did. I just said, church folk didn't seem to be real to me. And I mean, I, I would talk with them and I would act like, you've always been in church your entire life? And uh, I would say, well I, well, I don't know what you can say to me, you know? But, but once I became this guy, <laughs> I would begin to, uh, begin to question. And I think one of the greatest things can happen is where you can step into someone else's shoes. When we can begin to empathize with a lifestyle that may be so contradictory to our own. Are y'all hearing me today? I'm talking about lifestyles that are not in relationship to me. Praise God. And I believe that's what God is calling us, SOS. Amen, someone? Hallelujah. So we can speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference 
He made for you. Has anyone had a night and day difference in what God has done for them? Or is it just me? Anybody? But God has done something. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I'm, I'm transformed. I become different. I become someone else. It was a night and day difference. And so now I see my sister or my brother maybe in a similar situation. What do I do? I got to let them know. I understand. I was just, where was I? I was at Comcal the other night. You know, Comcal, there's always a guy at the door. You know, ready for a handout. Right? I come, I, what I become doing, I give a brother a handout, but you got to give me a dollar worth of time. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Here's a dollar. Now, let me tell you. And I began to talk to him. I said, brother, I was homeless on the park bench up in the Bronx, McCombs Park. I was, and I began to explain this night and day difference. Are you hearing me? I've had times driving by the big shelter on Bedford and Atlantic. Anthony, I'm coming from Anchor House, driving a brand new, uh, what was that? I had that Mark, that, uh, that no, the Lincoln. The Lincoln. LS. LS. Beautiful car. Shining, everything shining. I've come there, stopped on the corner, brothers come over. I get out the car, three piece suit on, nice outfit. I say, hey, brothers, look at me, man. I was homeless on a park bench. I was lost, man. Drugs had destroyed my life. And Jesus Christ set me free. Now that may be not your, that's not your experience, but you have a life and day, a, a night and day experience. You have something, all right? Some, I'm telling you, if this thing is real, praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. The last time I shared my testimony with someone, uh, uh, I was talking about Pastor, uh, Sister Barbara Bowman. The pastor who did her service, Anthony, was a young man who grew up down the block on 183rd up in the Bronx. And this young man got up and said, man, I was strung out on dope so bad. I would, and Mother Barbara would see me and love me and pray for me and, and not reject me and pray for me and talk to me about Jesus. This young man's a pastor. He did her service. Amen. I said, look at God. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, so how many of we've accepted Christ as our Savior? Amen. By believing that he is the Son of God, John 3.16. Mm-hmm. Whosoever believeth in the I mean, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish. So that means you can be a believer. And so the question is, can I be a fan of Christ and not a follower? He could be my savior in my belief, but not my Lord through my actions. Hear me? He might be my savior because I've accepted him as my Lord and savior. If God came right now, I'd go to heaven. But does that mean that my actions reflect him 
as Lord? Not necessarily. Are y'all hearing me today? Amen. Praise the Lord, somebody. So he could be my Savior in my belief, but not my Lord through my actions. And I've been there. I've, I've walked with it. I've had it happen. I've had, you know, one of the things of working in a place, I worked at an entire Christian agency. I mean, everybody in the place were born again. And I heard and saw some things happen with born again believers. And I said, oh my God. Amen, somebody? I saw, I, I saw certain standards, certain character defects, certain things that, that as Christians. So, so you know, and you, you wonder, well, why do, why do people say, well, they ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites? Because he might be my savior in my belief system, but I have not made him my Lord in my character. My Lord as it comes to how I treat others. My Lord. And how one, one, one Sunday morning, I was led to do this, and I, God has showed it to me. I, I, I asked several husbands to stand up. And I said, God told me to tell you that don't treat your wife like you treat her. God wants you to treat her like he treats you. Amen, somebody. And because uh, I met so many Christians, I can't tell y'all how many, how many pastors, bishops, apostles, prophets, you name the title, their sons have come to Anchor House. I can't, I can't tell you how many. Their daughters are at Anchor House. You, you hear me? People, if I mention their names, you know who they were. And when you sat down with those kids, oh my goodness. You mean daddy's preaching that, teaching that, and now he's treating you like that? I, I've had, I, I used to have people, uh, these young, I mean, listen, young brother grew up in church, father's got a multitude, big church. He said, when daddy punished me, he would put me down on, on uh, rice kernels, uncooked rice, hard rice, I would have to get down and kneel like this. And then you take two big family Bibles, and I have to hold them like this. And this is Daddy. What? No, I mean for real, y'all. Ministers, apostles, that's abuse. What'd you say? Is that corporate punishment? It's, it's terrible. It's corporal punishment. But it's to another level. It goes beyond that. So I can become a Christian. So, uh, so he can be my savior in my belief, but not my Lord through my actions, through my commitments to follow him. So I can have a friends with benefit relationship with Christ. Friends with blessings. I'm getting blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I am blessed. I'm blessed. I mean, there's a song. I'm blessed. I can become a Christian in some areas. I don't cuss. I don't do other things. And I thought about it. It's like, it's like having a place in your house that you let guests come in, your living room. It's a space for guests. And oftentimes that space, you know, is very well kept, very orderly. But I mean, you know, there are some other places. I'm looking at me. 
<laughs> you don't want the guests to come into. But I'm telling you, Jesus wants to come into those secret places. He wants to come into those messy places, those places in us that we're having struggle with. Amen. Question, am I a fan? Or am I a friend? Or am I a follower? I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke 9. Because in Luke 9, Jesus begins to talk about what followers were to, were to look like. Luke 9, verse 23. Are y'all here today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is not a good shouting message. But it's okay. It's okay. Luke 9, verse 23. Now in the King James, it says, If anyone desired 23rd, then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Amen? Amen. He's just given us what a follower is all about. I like this translation. It says, he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who, attend, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Wow. So Jesus says, if I'm going to be a follower, guess what that means? He's leading, I'm following. I believe that's one of the hardest things for men to do. I found men... Uh, I work with men, and, and every man is a leader within himself. That's why when Jesus met the nine lepers, it was a miracle that nine men with, the, with one problem could find one solution. It's amazing that they went to one place, and they didn't have nine different ideas of where to go. This scripture says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Then it says, you're not in the driver's seat. I am. <clears throat> so a follower realizes that Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so, Lord, lead me and I will follow. Are you hearing me today, y'all? Yeah, yeah. Then it says, it says, you're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Then he goes and says this in the message is amazing. He says self-help is no help at all. That we, we believe in self-help. Self-help is based on oftentimes myself determining the way it should go. This says here self-help is no help. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to find yourself, your true self. Oh, are y'all here today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See, see, so he said, it's not the self-help technique. It's finding sacrifice. Look, I'm sacrificing out of this. Because, see, my desire. And I, I can tell you, when, and I've said some things, I've gotten very transparent in areas with you. Only because I believe it's necessary. You know, particularly when we come to our own proclivities and our own things that we need. Well, Lord, you know I got to get this. I, I, I love Jesus, 
and I go to church and I serve God, but when it comes to these other life decisions, these other choices as it pertains to relationships, uh, you know, a, a girl got to do what a girl got to do. A guy got to do what a guy got to do. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's getting quiet. And that's okay. He says he has to let me lead. Question. Who's leading your life? Who's in control? See, when we make some bad choices, equally bad consequences, who's leading? Who's in the driver's seat? Jesus said to his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life, embrace my cross as your own, and surrender. Question, are you a fan? Are you a friend? Or are you a follower? The difference between a fan is that a, and a follower is that a fan knows all about the person, but a follower knows the person. Two words in the Bible for know. In the, in, the, uh, in the Greek, one know means intelligence, basically head knowledge. The other know means intimacy, meaning heart or revelation understanding. So, so now understand this. There were Christ, there were crowds that swamp Christ. And there were basically three, you know, when uh, I'm reading a book on discipleship, and it was talking about that of all the multitudes that followed Christ, there was three basic categories. There was a group of people who had heard about the miracles and heard about the, the great things, and they were called the curious. They may have been those who got to eat a, a, a good hot fish sandwich, because he, he, made, he fed 5,000 people with a few fish and a few loaves of bread. And they were curious. Another group was called the convinced. The convinced. Uh, they were convinced that Christ was. But then that third group, the true followers, they became committed. One of the things we've realized in, is that every relationship that's worth its salt must go through sacrifice and test. Amen. Every relationship that is worth its own salt. And you never know that so that test or that trial might be the one that's gauging the level of the relationship. I've talked to couples where the test exposed his lack or her lack. The test came and it showed something that if the test had not come, they would have never come to surface. Are you hearing me? Amen. Though the trial was difficult, the truth behind the trial was necessary. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord, somebody. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. So my question is, is my relationship with Christ one of convenience or one of commitment? Jesus Christ made a statement, y'all. He says, if you love me, 
Because, you know, all through scriptures, you, oh, I love the Lord. I, oh, that person loved God. I, I, I met people, he loves, she loves God. But if she loved God so much, what did she? I read a story, and my, one of my friends went to the hospital and, 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 and ministered to this woman. This woman who was a Christian, loved God, put her little infant in a microwave. But Pastor, she loved God. No, she didn't love God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The corresponding action. I've often said that love has a corresponding action. How many you know the name love? Love has suffered in our society. People have yeah. done so many wicked, evil yeah. things in the name of love. How many of you know it's so? Yeah. It's crazy, y'all. It's crazy. I remember the little boy that mom and dad got a divorce, and, and uh, dad loved the little boy, took him to a room and threw gasoline on him. Oh, I love, wait a minute, love, love is only known by its actions. Jesus showed us love. He gave his life for us. His corresponding action demonstrated love. And see, that's how we've twisted this word called love in our society. But people don't know. That's why battered women get so twisted because in the name of love, I'm being hurt. Now, that's not love, sister. They love. Oh, y'all here today? Jesus says, if you love me, if, and, and, and as a minister, we've heard it. I've had to ask, I said, Lord, I love you. He said, well, if you love me, Roger. He said, you got to keep my commandments. I want you to look at this scripture in John 14. Look at John 14 very quickly. I'm closing up. Can you really shut it down? John 14. John 14, 15. John 14, 15. Jesus said, if you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. There is something about demonstrating the Christ, our love for him, by making hard decisions when it pertains to our personal lives. I want you to know it's, it's, it's what God says to us privately. He says, and if you love me, and when you come to these hard decisions, because of your love for me, as you, as you begin to make moves towards obeying what I've told you, what's in the word, he says, I'm going to give you a helper. Amen. I'm not going to leave you where you can't make that. I'm going to give you some comfort. Amen. I'm going to give you someone who's going to walk you through this hardship because it's difficult to, after, listen, y'all, we've lived in the flesh all of our lives. Now I just got born again. How do I walk in the spirit when my only reality is living in the flesh? God says, I'm going to give you a helper. Amen. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you walk Amen. through this. Praise the Lord, somebody. Amen. He calls him the spirit of truth Amen. whom the world cannot receive. He said, I won't leave you as an orphan. This has been my prayer to God for years. Lord God, you know, you know where I'm at when it comes to these things. Lord God, don't leave me as an orphan. 
Hallelujah. He said, I won't leave you as an orphan. I'll come to you. So, so, so this, this, this thing, being a friend, a friend of God. We sing the song, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Well, friend, do you follow God? Do you follow him when it seems difficult? Are you following God when you're all by yourself and nobody knows? No one will ever, ever see you in that area. It'll never. Are you a friend or are you a follower? Or are you a fan? I want to put this song on. It's, it's, a, it's an old song. Uh, it's just been redone uh, by Tasha Cobb. And, I, I, and as we pray this, as we uh, listen to this, uh, only you determine your relationship. We must define this relationship. And, and out of your own heart, out of your own place, uh, define. Come into a, a relationship that's under the scrutiny, under the definition of what God says. Put that on, uh, on the keynote you know, as we just kind of meditate for a moment. I have decided.